as we begin any kind of meditation practice, mantra included, we also might want to be aware of just some of the practical things that happen because we are still you know, living in this experience and we still have to get up and go to work and we have to do different things. And so there needs to be a practicality to it too. We can't just sort of slough all this off and, and go live in happy heaven land. Um, so we have to... Oh. Huh? I know. <laughs> there are the rare ones that get to do that, but most of us do not. So, um, so we don't really have that approach. We have to deal with where we are now. And that means that we also have to accept that, okay, now I understand and I even feel some inner spark that's driving me to this deeper place of spirituality. I want that. And that desire will probably continue to grow if you engage in conscious spiritual practices. But you also have to accept your limitation of the moment of, okay, I want that, but I still have some association with my body. I still have some association with my emotions. I still feel reactions. I still can have a bad mood if something happens to me. And so we can't deny that those are also energy currents that move through our experience. And Tantra works with our presence of that to learn how to free ourselves from those places. But we also have to be accepting and willing to say, okay, this is what, this is what my experience is right now. We can't just sort of imagine ourselves being somewhere else because that keeps us sort of denying what's really happening and locked in our current situation. So from a practical place, then we all could use just a calmer mind. We could use a little more focus in our lives. And so as we begin a meditation practice with um, mantra, or any quality meditation practice, but I love mantra, um, we're going to be able to learn how to focus and concentrate better. It's going to calm the mind, start balancing emotional states. We're going to increase a sense of peace and well-being, reduce stress, lower blood pressure, and also, if you're doing it out loud with the breath awareness, you're going to be getting the benefits of the breathing, which are also going to be related to the amount of energy that you're able to bring in, in addition to you know, sort of a detoxing of you know, bringing in fresh oxygen and all these kinds of things. So that's where we sort of start from a practical place. And as we are working with it, as I told you, it gives you a place to focus. And one of the things that's really nice about mantra is you can engage mantra with pretty much any of the five senses. You know, if you're doing something such as breathing, then you're kind of limited to feeling and maybe a little sound if you know how to work with some of the other techniques. If you're doing something based on like candle gazing, for instance, you really have the one thing that you're focusing on. But in mantra, you have the ability to to work with all of the senses to bring them into alignment with your practice. So if your focus is a little bit off, say, in terms of your listening, then you can feel the vibration happening in your body. That gives you another place to put your awareness that will be relevant to your practice and keep you focused in the practice itself. And so the same is true then of the image of Om. I'm sure all of you have probably seen the symbol for Om. If you can imagine that inside or use an external image of that to keep you focused, that's another way that you can engage a visual piece. Um, if you burn incense, you can have sort of a consistent 
sort of image of or experience of the um, sensory of smell. And so that becomes a consistent part. Um, so there are all of these different ways that you can engage the senses, and if you're not focusing on one, then hopefully you're focusing on the other, and they all become an aspect of the mantra. Now ideally we want to continue to refine our focus so that we're really focusing on the sound itself. But you still have these other places to kind of hold on if the mind's starting to wander a little bit, and it'll, it'll look for other things, but they're all still related. So that is the basic sort of practical daily thing. Um, we learn to focus, we learn to just be more peaceful, and everybody can, can benefit from that. But as you move into it as a spiritual practice, as you, as you, you know, invite it in to start taking it deeper, it also starts to do work for you to clear out some of the energy patterns that we're talking about. Um, the different ways that we might get disturbed. It starts to do that work for you. So it starts to purify your awareness. It starts to remove and shift your karmic patterns. It draws you closer to the object of your devotion, which in this case is going to be this higher state of spirituality. And it starts to increase your identification with that as being yourself. So in, in Tantra, they say that this higher consciousness, not only is there this higher consciousness, but it's the only thing that really exists. And that you yourself are this consciousness. And so as you get further along the practice, you're wanting to understand through your own experience more and more that, wow, that really is me. That is who I am. And I have not, I'm not all these things I've imagined myself to be, but I'm really this consciousness. I am this expanded state of love and bliss and peace and I have never been and never was any of the things that I thought myself to be. And so giving ourselves something to focus on that represents that state, that truth, that deeper longing helps again with the, that same basic idea of the law of attraction, just kind of pulling yourself into that space more and more every day. So. Om is sometimes spelled with the O-U-M, and it, it represents in sort of the mythology, if you will, of how things unfold. It represents the moment that the universe is born, is created. So we talked earlier about the idea that there's this aspect of the universal consciousness that says, hey, let's create a universe today. The idea gets thrown out. The power of consciousness at previously had been kind of like this still glass lake. There's nothing happening, no ripples, complete stillness. No universe has been born, no thought of the universe has even come into form. The thought goes out, a ripple is dropped into that still lake and movement starts to happen. And as that movement starts to go, it starts to increase. There are overtones that happen because vibrations start lapping over each other and it becomes incredibly complex and brings us down to the state that we are now eventually. But at the moment that that happens, at the moment that the universe starts to unfold, there is a movement as sound and vibration and light that starts to move as well. And the ancient seers, the tantrics and tantrikas of the past, tell us that that sound as the universe starts to move sounds in our closest human equivalent to the sound of OM.
And there's actually a whole story of how the alphabet unfolds and creates everything. Um, but it moves from that space of all through the mm sound to complete itself. And in fact, the universe is constantly being recreated in every moment. So there's this repeating thing in the universal mind of this OM because every moment is being created fresh again. This vibration is continuing to unfold over and over again. So we are actually working as a devotional practice then of understanding that OM represents the actual power that is creating our experience. So it is the power of consciousness. It is in its own right divinity. It is God, however you choose to label that. And so OM becomes another name for God if you understand it and choose to work with it in that way. So by using OM, you can actually set an intention of this is a name for God. I am creating a devotional practice by calling on God. So as you continue to work with it, it will continue to kind of just take you in deeper.